Welcome to Question Authority, where the best and brightest marketers teach brands about the art and science of questions. I'm your host, Mitch Turk, joined by Matt Barr, CEO of Enquire Labs, a Shopify app that powers post-purchase surveys for thousands of DTC brands. Today, we're talking about conversion rate optimization with Drew Himmel of PCR. Drew, how's it going? Hey, Mitch, how are you? Good, fine and dandy. I got Matt here too. What's up, buddy? What is up? Welcome to our quasi-ghetto podcast recording studios. <laughs> I'm excited for, to have you talk about some of this stuff that we've we've kind of grazed the edges of it in other episodes, but we really haven't dived into CRO and a lot of the more advanced tactics and, and strategies in that. So first off, well, just to introduce yourself, I guess you, you are the CEO and founder of PCR, which, as you said, for Corona purposes, is probably better explained <laughs> as consultpcr.com, just for clarity. But it, it would be great if you can kind of just walk us through uh, more advanced thinking around what, what is CRO, you know, beyond just the notion of like, oh, I know CRO as I'm going to change the color. I'm going to A-B test the color of my purchase button, right? And like, if B wins, great, that was CRO. It's like, yep, that's that's not wrong, but you know, there, there's a, there's a broader thinking here, right. And more strategy to this. So like, what, what's your kind of definition and perspective in that sense? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I first appreciate you guys having me on. And and I think to answer the question, I mean, a lot of what we're looking at is how are we driving higher profitability off of all of your marketing channels? And so a lot of that has been increased with, uh, you know, all the Apple iOS updates and, and so everyone's looking a little bit more inward on, you know, how do we get our CAC in a great place? How do we get conversion rates up? A lot of it's just reducing the friction in that process and mm -hmm. using data and analytics to be able to better inform those decisions. And so I think a lot of people do put it as simply as like, oh, let's change the button and, and kind of see if more people click on it. But we want to look at it more holistically from the entire user, you know, kind of funnel and, and, and journey and then look at those various touch points. And how do we make it a little bit easier, a little bit more intuitive? I mean, the, the cliche that we always say is everyone's got the intention span of about a second grader online. And so we got to make things very simple and easy to be able to use so that you're getting them to do what you want them to do. And that's taking some sort of action. Subscribe to the newsletter, add a, you know, add a product to the cart, um, you know, kind of do a repeat purchase and, and things of that nature. Right. Yeah. So you guys even touched on a lot of the stuff around like micro conversions or uh, email segmentation and marketing and stuff like that, right? Because it's to your point, right? Like re reducing friction, if you think about it, like a car or something like there's a lot of components where you need to reduce the friction. You can't just be like, oh, I, I greased this one bearing. So friction has been reduced. <laughs> like, yeah, you can do that right. with like the purchase button. But like, do I want to click on this ad? Do I want to keep spending, you know, two minutes on this website? Do I want to put this in the cart? Do I actually want to purchase it? Do I want to come back? All of that is friction, right? So yeah. Totally makes sense. So some of the, what, like, what are some of the tools or, or tactics that you guys kind of have in the, in the utility belt there? Or if you want to touch on just, you know, what are some of the telltale signs when you're looking at a brand or their experience where you're like, ah, okay, I see where we need to help them out. Yeah, no, um, starting with the tools first. I mean, you know, Google analytics is still the, you know, 900 pound gorilla in the space that is, is, is free accessible. I think a lot of people get overwhelmed when they start to look at it. So there's, mm. you know, just making sure the basics are in place around the e-commerce, you know, kind of tracking and, and funnel visualization is, is pretty key. And then, you know, to, to the point of, 
each you know kind of tactic corresponding to a, a metric, a lot of people come to us and say we want to boost conversion rate um, or we want to reduce bounce rate. Well, that's a very broad topic, and so for us, we want to isolate every single action that we're recommending, and then what is the corresponding metric that you want to see uh, improve off of that. So. It might be as simple as we want to improve people adding this product to their cart on their product page or their PDP, um, or uh, we want people to spend a little bit more time, you know, kind of on the homepage, or we want people to be utilizing the search functionality on the site, you know, more prominently. So, right. you know, we, we we're doing a big project right now where they have it's a, a, a fine wine, you know, with four uh, wineries within their portfolio, and there's about 72 different recommendations that we made from a UX. That's it's a lot and become overwhelming if you just say, oh, this will broadly help improve conversion. Each action that we're recommending has a corresponding metric that we want to see uh, either improvement or, a, you know, a decrease in, in bounce or, you know, things of that nature. So Google Analytics can help really inform a lot of that. You know, the next one that we use um, that we see a lot of D2C brands, you know, kind of utilizing as well as Hotjar, which does, mm. you know, kind of the user recordings and the heat map tracking. Love me some hot jar. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's great. I mean, I, I think we we're joking before I came on my, my head of UX just geeks out on, you know, these user recordings, but you can actually see it on that same winery client where they're trying to go to the hamburger nav and then they were kind of going back. They just got lost and then they exited the page. And so it's just really neat to see that we're not just using it as like a click or, you know, some uh, anonymous data. It's, it's actually users uh, trying to navigate your site. And that can all be, uh, you know, providing incredible insight to be able to inform a lot of the decisions that we're recommending. You mentioned bounce rate. How often, and I'm really just looking for an anecdotal answer here, but how often is the bounce rate a component of bad targeted traffic versus a large UX problem? Because often I'd say when I'm diving into someone's GA account, I'm usually looking for kind of source medium page, looking at bounce rate, trying to see, okay, what channels like where, where's, what's the average A and then what channels are very high. So obviously you'll see top of funnel, Facebook awareness campaigns have bounce rates. And like, to me, it's like, Hey, if it's higher than call it 65%, 70%, I'm typically like, okay, there's probably a targeting problem here. Less so of a yeah. UX problem. I mean, all the time. And, and I think it's always interesting too, when things are going really well, every agency partner wants to pat themselves on the back. And then when it's going bad, there's like, you know, the blame game. <laughs> and so you, that's why you do have to look at it holistically and, and start to isolate a little bit more. So even looking at the traffic source, uh, looking at new versus returning mobile versus desktop. Um, and then you start, you know, adding on the scroll analysis as part of that with like a hot jar or something too, is, is really important. But, you know, we had a client that was ranking number one for a lot of their main keywords. Um, but we noticed the bounce rate was 75% or higher for their organic. And we dug into it a little bit more. And ultimately, it, it became a site speed issue, 12 seconds for them to load their homepage. Um, and mm -hmm. a lot of the traffic was going to the homepage. So our recommendation is like, hey, let's start optimizing some of these interior pages. And then two, what are the things that we can do to increase the site speed and, 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 and load? And there's a lot of like easy fixes with that of like compressed imagery, uh, you know, lazy load. Uh, maybe not having as much, you know, video content and images on the homepage itself. And so, you know, there, it's not always like the first metric, unfortunately, if you look at it, you really do need to start diving deeper. But, you know, a, a lot of times we want to know what the paid media strategy is. What are they doing? If it's a lot of a brand awareness campaign, then, you know, obviously that's going to uh, affect, you know, kind of bounce rate and ultimately conversion too. So you have to kind of look at those things, you know, holistically as much as possible. Yeah. You, you've mentioned uh, site speed a few times. Uh, and I'm sure you've been asked this and I'm almost hesitant to ask it, but 
the biggest advantage that I've heard to building a headless site, especially for the Shopify stores, is speed. Yep. I would argue it introduces another level of complexity um, from the engineering side. There's definitely arguments to, to counter that, but I'm curious if you have kind of your, it, it might just be like, hey, every every case is different. It really depends if you have the resources and you want to kind of lean more into engineering to build this headless site and manage it. I'm just kind of curious. Have you seen anything that's like, okay, I do recommend headless if the resources are there. It's like, hey, it might not be worth it. Yeah, and then and ultimately we're not a, a, a dev shop, so there's a technical you know kind of analysis that we'll bring in with you know partners and and things of that nature. But with headless, um, so we we have a client that was running about sixty scripts, um, you know, because of all the Shopify apps and obviously more you know kind of apps being uh, you know kind of rolled out you know continuously, and that is going to negatively impact you know conversion and site speed. So that's where there are scenarios where you know, Shopify out of gate and their app ecosystem might not be able to do it where headless makes a lot of sense. And then with site speed, I think it does, but you're, you are looking at a larger lift on the front end uh, from both a cost and time, you know, standpoint, and then to be able to make, you know, changes, headless can be very iterative and it can adapt, but uh, I think you have to have the competent developers uh, to be able to do that. And so we're seeing it more and more where even two years ago, people were like thrown about, but no one really understood the implications. And I think there's a lot of really neat tools available. We work with, um, you know, kind of a builder or swell that have built kind of the ecosystem and the stack uh, on top of it, where it does make sense um, to be able to help. But yeah, I, I would have like a lot of due diligence from a technical and development standpoint before we make that decision. Yeah. Cool. One thing, Mitch, and this was after Drew introed, um, I was going to talk about like looking inward. Um, okay. Wow. That sounds deep. <laughs> Drew used it, not me. I wrote it down because I thought oh, okay. it was a good thing. Um, I'm, I'm curious, kind of, we're seeing it with Enquire Labs, just more of these D2C brands wanting more first-party data through surveys, through kind of other methodologies that allow them to reduce some of their, call it Facebook dependency. But you, yeah, you use the phrase look inward. I thought that was a really good way to put it because uh, everyone call it a year ago, there was not too much looking inward. It was very much just spend, spend, spend and lower my CAC or CPA uh, and go from there. So like, are you guys getting a ton of kind of inbound business now with this happening or? Look, there was a heyday for a long time with Facebook, um, which is so much data available as a marketer. It was pretty unbelievable where you could get very advanced um, in terms of the targeting and segmentation that you're able to do. One, Two, there was a ton of capital flooding into the market. And then I think three, there really is a lot of importance on growth uh, in terms of top line, but not necessarily, is this a profitable, sustainable, you know, kind of business, which you would think uh, uh, that should, you know, come out of the gate uh, with every model, but <laughs> unfortunately it wasn't the case. And so I think, you know, with a lot of these updates here recently, it, it is making companies uh, look inward in terms of like what's going on for lifetime value, repeat purchaser. Uh, we have a, a, a pretty large beverage brand that we're working with that um, is doing just that. They're, it's a subscription base um, and they're noticing a, a really substantial drop off months two, months three of the subscription. And so we're doing a complete, you know, kind of retention analysis across all, you know, the relevant flows, uh, you know, kind of messaging communication. And what I love about it is there's so much data available and the more advanced, the more segmented you get, um, they've done the hard part. They've figured out the product market. They're able to get, you know, kind of the customer into the funnel. But how do you, you know, get that stickiness and that retention factor? 
you figure that out, it becomes that much easier to continue to add more, you know, into the funnel because you know it's going to be optimized not only just for, you know, conversion to checkout or purchase, but repeat purchase, which is really, really, you know, kind of important. And so luckily for us, yeah, there, there's the inbound has been pretty, you know, kind of incredible. And, and, and it ranges from, we have to figure these things out. We're going for our latest raise to what the hell, like, what do we do? Like, or, you know, we're contemplating shutting this business down. It's not sustainable, you know, at these current, you know, kind of metrics, and we're not going to be able to raise again. We, we do think that, and we're obviously very, very biased, but being able to figure these things out foundationally is going to positively impact every aspect of you know your marketing and the overall business. But it just doesn't really get talked about a lot. I think everyone's more of like, what's the sexy creative you're doing? What influencer are you partnering with? And, and things of that nature. And we want to you know take a step back and say, hey, how do we figure these things out? But I think it can be overwhelming. Yeah, no, right, I yeah. Just, just interesting how how much time was spent on. I don't even remember what the URL was business.facebook.com versus like even your own GA. Like it was just, yeah. I feel like yeah, that's yeah. reversed or 180. Moving to working off of your, your owned audience instead of your, your rented audience. Exactly. Well, even to that point, like, I mean, I, I can't tell you how many um, Google analytics kind of like dashboards are just not even properly tracking. And that, that's what you, a lot of brands are seeing now. It's just really gross inconsistency from what Facebook's telling their CAC is to what Google analytics is and how do you, you kind of look at that. And so um, I think more and more, you know, these, these roles and we're, we're hiring for a few right now around like data analytics, data analysts um, are going to be so important for, for brands. And, you know, for us, we, we kind of serve as that, you know, kind of interim um, uh, until they're able to find that. I was going to ask just cause I know from my days doing UX, like the temptation to look at like a, a hot jar, well, let's just call it heat maps or user recordings. Right and jump to conclusions or, or just kind of more comically, like watch that among a group of marketers or a group of designers and have them all come to different conclusions about what it means. It's kind of interesting. So I, I, I don't know if you touched on the survey aspect or just whether it's exit surveys, post-purchase or whatever, or even if you're just doing kind of focus groups or anything like that after the fact to get some of that grounding and that context around like, why, why was the behavior this way? Yeah, I mean, to me, that's where it needs to be multi-pronged, where you have the qualitative aspect. So for us, that is a lot of the hot jar and everything that we've talked about. There's the exit surveys, and then there's also the, you know, what what is the brand ownership telling you? And then there's other aspects, um, you know, too, even, you know, coming through some of the customer support, you know, kind of tickets and looking at what's happening in, you know, Zendesk or, you know, Gorgeous um, uh, live chat, you know, as, as, as well um, to be able to better quantify, you know, what's going on. And so that's as we get, you know, kind of deeper and deeper, especially if it's a really buggy site where there's a lot of like friction and um, it's, it's hard to isolate exactly where the, the drop-off is occurring. You want to substantiate it, uh, you know, with other, you know, kind of points of feedback. And so that's where customer, you know, kind of surveys and, and research or pulling the tickets and, and things of that nature can really come into play and, and help. Well, your point too earlier about the different kind of goals that you're solving for, right? It's it's nice and easy and and uh, too good to be true to say like the only goal of your your web property or your user experience is to get to that conversion, right? But there's you know there's discovery, there's brand building, there's all of that kind of stuff, and so it pays obviously to have experts like you guys in the room to look at the stuff and say you know we we need to get some better context around this or like sure, this isn't helping conversion directly, but we have to understand it from the other perspectives. And yeah, there's, there's a lot of ways to skin it. And um, 
just being able to have that different perspective on it or or engage multiple perspectives on it is kind of key i think yeah and and they all intersect too right there's like the merchandising strategy too that we don't obviously you know touch that much but we are seeing you know different things um you know coming through and if you're doing the the surveying and the and, and the research i think there's some some really great brands that are using that to inform product development yeah yeah uh, Mitch and I talk about DFC very often, which is like direct from consumer. It's this whole concept of direct to consumer. You're selling products directly to the consumer, but that only becomes a benefit once you actually get feedback back um, right. and you create this flywheel of like, who are these people? I continue to market them. If if you're not doing that, then you kind of just turn into a, a legacy CPG brand that's just spending money on Facebook. Well, that's where you see too, a lot of these um DTC brands are trying to pivot to subscription and, and how do they think about community and, and getting, you know, kind of this, this flywheel working where there's product development and then there's, you know, kind of stickiness and there's rewards and experiences and things like that, that they're able to offer. And I think thinking of, you know, the, the direct from consumers is, is super interesting because um, you're not just trying to sell them something and then be done. Like you can, it's not a sustainable business practice, uh, you know, for a lot of these brands. And so you have to think about, retention strategies and things that you can offer that surprise delight, um, where they do feel, you know, kind of involved from the very beginning. Um, and so you're seeing the rise of like private Slack groups, Facebook groups and, and kind of development. Mm-hmm. Um, so that they can build a subscription model. That's not just trying to please the investors um, or the VCs, but something that is, is built for, you know, kind of the consumer in mind. Yeah. Preach. Speaking of insights, I know, you guys obviously have a lot to share. I, I believe you mentioned that there's a convenient way for people to access those. So if you want to just uh, plug that for everyone's benefit. So I, I've been doing this as a, you know, kind of an experiment, uh, a, a weekly newsletter, and a lot of it's our, you know, kind of e-com CRO insights uh, uh, that we're sending out. And we talk about, you know, an experiment that we've run. Um, we talk about, you know, a brand that we you know, might admire or, you know, or experimenting with, uh, and then, um, you know, just some, some other, you know, kind of high level things. And we try and keep it, I think total read might take you 30 seconds or, you know, two minutes out of your day. And, you know, the, honestly, the, the response has been pretty, pretty phenomenal, um, in terms of just people, you know, kind of getting some value out of it short and to the point. Um, so yeah, if you just go to our site at consult PCR, um, and then you'll have a little pop-up to be able to subscribe. And I love the feedback and kind of getting some of the interactions. It's actually been really fun. Nice. Well, Matt, if we're going to, uh, if we're going to title this pod looking inward, then I think someone has to whisper it centrally. I'm not doing that. <laughs> for today thank you for listening subscribing and rating the show go ahead and grab drew's cro newsletter at consultpcr.com question authority is made possible by inquire labs the leading post-purchase survey provider for over 1500 dtc brands to learn more and grab a 14-day free trial check out inquirelabs.com see you next time